Here at Ohio State, we play defense with all 11 players on the field. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. And we're coming to you after a wonderful last minute on the one-yard line, last second of the game, can't believe it, victory over uh, the Fighting Leprechauns in South Bend, 17-14. What a game, dude. It's it's definitely going down as one uh, for the books. Yeah, this game really, man. You know, I thought if I took a day or two like we have, I'd feel a little different. And the weird thing is I don't. And I just have such mixed emotions about this game. I mean, on one hand, it was a hell of a game. And it's a top 10 matchup on the road in a tough environment to what I think is a much more improved Notre Dame team than what we've seen in years past. And on the other end, it's also like a bunch of the game felt like tons of mistakes. You know, bad play calling, uh, poor execution, poor tackling, you know, everything that you can think of. But then when you wrap it all up and you look at it from the outside looking in again, it's like, damn, that was still a really good game. And I'd say so far game of the year in college football. So those of you who don't know, we actually got to watch this game together, um, you know, for one circumstance or another. But we ended up being um, at my house here in Columbus and we watched the game together. And man. I mean, you couldn't pick a better one to watch with your best friend. You know what I mean? Like just the the complete roller coaster of emotions back and forth, um, like just ate us up. Like we, you know, so many times we thought we were dead in the water and then we thought we weren't and then we were. And it was just like an insane thing. But I'll, I'll say this. The one thing that's bothering me more than anything this morning is that Comacord had a great game, dude, and he showed some grit and he drove us down the field and he scored that touchdown and he cemented his uh, himself as a starter and really like, a, you know, kind of an icon in Ohio State history. People are going to remember this drive. But I still think that everyone is just a little too quick, dude, to crown him the king of the castle here. Um, you know, he did play a pretty average game, you know, for three quarters of the game. And I think people are forgetting that. You know what I mean? We, he I don't know how many times during the game we were talking about, you know, people that he missed wide open, you know, going first read and and then just following that even in double coverage. I mean, there was a lot of things that he still needs to improve on. I'm not saying, you know, he's not going to be that guy. I'm just saying I'm not quick to say, like, this was the greatest game in history. Yeah, I mean, you can you, there's two different sides of the coin you you can look at here with Kyle McCord. I mean, number one is this is his second official game as the outright starter. Um, it's the first big time game on the road. Uh, it's only his fourth actual start ever. Um, I'm not counting the one two years ago. And it is also a, a team that I think their defense was a lot more legit than people give him credit for. So the circumstance itself was always going to lend to this being a struggle. Okay. Um, and then, yes, I understand there's also several points in the game where Comacord looked really good. He would make some of these throws, and you're like, okay, that's an NFL throw, or that was a legit play. And then he also turns right back around and then makes a play where you're just like, what the hell are you doing, Kyle? And yeah, exactly. it's just so inconsistent. You can see the flashes that are there, 
but the overall consistency is not. I mean, if you even – and I'm really not trying to take anything away from that last drive because it ended up working up magically, and he made some amazing plays in that last drive. But if you think about it, I mean, he also made some bonehead plays in that drive. He threw a ball that probably should have been picked off that might have ended the game. Yeah. There was one, a swing pass to Travion Henderson, where he, like, fired as hard as he could, at, you know, above his head. I mean, there were several other plays where it shouldn't have been as difficult as it looked. But then he turns around, you know, around and then, you know, third and 10 to Abuka, uh, fourth and seven to Julian Fleming, third and 19 back to Abuka. I mean, he made some big time throws, but it doesn't have to be that difficult. And exactly. And, you know, let's not forget this before we get too far into it. Everybody also seems to forget that we would have never been in this position if Ryan Day would have took the points when he needed to. Two different fourth downs where we went for it. And, and I can neither one did we run up the middle. Neither one did we try to run or quarterback sneak or push someone forward for a yard. No, both times. One was a was a was a pass where, you know, they had the quarterback come out to the outside of the pocket. And the other one was a swing pass or, you know, a jet sweep to uh, Ibuka. And, and I'm just saying, if you're a huge underdog, if you're an underdog in the game, I get it. If it's a shootout, I get it. If it's 35-42, I get it. Okay. But when you're talking about a game that we figure is going to end up, you know, where 17 points is going to win the game, you take the freaking points. If we'd have kicked two field goals, we wouldn't even have to drive down the field to win the game. That's my point. We didn't yeah. take what was in front of us. And I just thought the more I thought about Ryan Day, everybody's complaining about his play calling and this and that. The more I thought about him, it to me, it's not his play calling. It's situational play calling in tight moments, I feel like, is where he failed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, I I believe that Ryan Day had every intention of opening this game up. And I think the way that it kind of went early on, like I think the game would have could have went completely differently by a ton had we scored on that fourth and one down in the red zone. Okay, right at the goal line. Um and I think that he kind of handcuffed himself by some of these riskier plays. And then, again, our continued issues with struggling to convert third and ones, fourth and ones. Like, it's almost, like, laughable, the fact that we just cannot seem to get that damn yard. It's ridiculous. But I feel like, you know, he was starting to kind of get the feel that this game was just going to be neck and neck and that we just did not have the consistency on offense to pull away, even though – you know, it, it, the other thing, too, is if did you look at the time of possession in the second half? Like we only had the ball for, gosh, out of the 30 minutes second half, I want to say maybe not even 10 minutes of it. And Notre Dame had us, you know, two to one, if not more than that, in the second half. Well, we which didn't really also have the ball in the first quarter either. We well, the first quarter, it. same thing, too. I mean, the second, I think it was like 10 minutes to five minutes in the first quarter, and then we flip-flopped it, and we actually had it 10 minutes to their five minutes in the second quarter. But after that, it was like – I mean, Notre Dame ended up having the ball for 35 minutes that game to our 25, and it didn't even seem that close. And to be perfectly honest, in almost every other game, I feel like it's the same story. I mean, more teams with these new clock rules are either keeping the possession of the ball, long driving – limiting the the possessions Ohio State's getting. And if Ohio State cannot execute in the red zone, cannot convert on third down, cannot convert on fourth down, and is missing opportunities, that's the recipe for disaster that we're seeing on offense this year. And it kind of reared its ugly head again against Notre Dame. Now, again, I do believe Notre Dame's defense is that good. 
Um, I think it's one of the best defenses we'll face all year. I mean, barring Penn State and Michigan, um, and especially their cornerback play was amazing. The way that they uh, played Julian Fleming and uh, Marv Harrison in that game, you know, they did a really good job on them. I mean, the only one that was really able to kind of get open and get the yards was Abuka in the slot. So, you know, it, it was tough going, but I just – I don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be a problem that, you know, if we don't continue to grow and improve week by week, that this is going to ultimately be our downfall. Yeah, it is going to be our downfall because, you know, I think what we saw happen was, uh, and I know you noticed it too, in the second half, uh, we started to not be able to stop the run anymore. Um, even when we knew it was coming. But I, I think it was just because we were tired, man. The defense was on the field a lot. They were. They were on the field a lot. And I just keep thinking we're starting to get worn down. So they're starting to turn, you know, two and three yard runs into five, six yard runs, you know, and that's, you know, and that became apparent. But I just thought, you know, we should have chewed up some more clock offensively and that may not have happened as much. But, dude, first of all, let's talk about the defense for a quick second. Dude, gamers, gamers all week long. Let me shout out Lathan Ransom, who the week before I just cussed out because he hit the hole two different times and met a running back square on. And couldn't make a tackle. He was all over the field Saturday, man. Shout out Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, Tyleek Williams. Uh, I'll tell you who was surprisingly quiet in this game and who I think actually had kind of a rough game was the linebackers. Uh, believe it or not, I feel like, you know, they're kind of the heart and soul of the defense. Uh, and, you know, you. There was a lot of passes that were completed that was the linebacker responsibility. I didn't see them stuffing a lot of runs. Um, I didn't hear a bunch of, you know, about a ton of, you know, Steele or Tommy really having much to do with this defensive performance this time. I mean, this was primarily the defensive line, mainly the interior part of the defensive line and, uh, you know, the defensive backfield. They had did, four did tackles, a really good job Four solo tackles apiece. Uh, Linebackers. Uh, but just stealing Tommy. Yeah. I mean, that's not I mean, I just I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like they had the greatest game or maybe I, mean, I just I overlooked it. Um, I don't know if the game plan was set up for them to succeed as much because uh, Sam Hartman definitely made it. a. I think he they made they had a good game plan. Uh, they didn't throw towards Denzel Burke like all night. I think maybe one attempt went, went towards Denzel Burke. Uh, they attacked uh, Igbenosin a few times, but really a lot of it was, you know, short, intermediate in the middle of the field. And it was attacking the linebackers. Yeah. And, and once again, and the you know, tight end, the tight end had a day with, uh, you know, against yeah, us. But that was a big boy, though. Yeah. Um, kept reaching his arms up and pulling stuff out of the air. I mean, just he was a monster. So but, I think Notre Dame had a good game plan is what I'm saying. But that we also did not have a good linebacking game. And once again, no sacks. That is, you know, it's funny because I finally made a prop at this week that we would get over two and a half sacks. I felt really confident that, hey, you know, this these defensive ends need to get home. Dude, I'm starting to get on board with you that I just think these de- defensive ends are just, when it comes to just rushing the passer or getting the, you know, actually sacks, they're not that good. Now, I'm not going to say they're not good defensive line players because they're still making important plays, batting balls. Um, yeah, you know, Sawyer had a great helping to, uh, pass block there. Yeah, helping to stuff the run. Um, things like that, like they're, they're still important key aspects of the defense, but my God, why is it so damn hard to get a sack? We can't dude. I'm telling make you, make it make sense to line, me. Make it make sense. 
interior line is strong. Exterior line, not so much. Um, and, you know, I think when we, you know, I'm surprised we didn't, you know, at least once or twice bring the whole freaking shebang at Notre Dame. We really didn't do that. We rushed, but we didn't bring the house. Well, um, I just I think Jim Jim Knowles didn't want anything big over the top, and Man, he, I think he you played take it safe. Chance every now and I know, but I feel like he played it real safe. He did, and I'm not I'm not, I can't discount him, dude. He's forgotten more about football than I ever know. But I'm just saying, you know, I just feel like we can't have no sacks. We can't. You know, in a game like that, dude, I wanted to put so much pressure on that kid that you know, well, kid, I shouldn't say that now. He's old enough to be most of the guys on our team's dad, but uh. You know, I didn't want him to just run around on the backfield a little bit more. And he did get some pressure. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, I just thought we'd be a little bit more in his ass than we weren't. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we did get one sack. I think JT Tumalo did get one there at the very end and during that last drive that helped get us the ball back. But, I mean, I, the the point is there. That, if he did, they did not register it as one. Uh, yeah, I'm looking right now. It does show zero. So, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a tackle for loss at the very least. But, anyways... Um, that, that's why I'm struggling with this game because I I know that we need to be happy and I am happy. Don't get me wrong. I was super excited, um, that we pulled that out. I mean, almost in shocking fashion and anytime that you can win a big 10 matchup on the road, you have to appreciate that win. So don't get me wrong. I'm appreciating the win. Um, well, that wasn't a big 10 matchup, but yeah, (laughs) what did I say? You said anytime you can win a Big Ten matchup. On Sorry, the road. I meant I meant top ten. Thank you. Yeah. Top ten matchup. Um, but a top ten matchup. Um, I guess the big thing for me that is like I guess keeping me from really thinking positively about this is just because I'm looking more into the future of this schedule and I do not feel confident that we're going to be able to get past teams like Penn State and Michigan with what I saw in this performance. You know what uh, I mean? So I mean, it's, that's what I'm stuck comparing to this point. Now, I know there's still a ways to go, and they can still improve up to, you know, up to that point. But if, the, if we do the same performance against Penn State or Michigan, I don't think we win those games. Don't you feel like this team has a little bit of like 2002-esque to it? It's like uh, a gritty team where we're going to have to fight out wins in the Big Ten against against quality opponents if that, the offense stays this way, I'm saying. Yeah, that, and it could be kind of 2014-esque, too, and the fact that, you know, we just did not have things clicking earlier on in the year, and it took some time for them to kind of build some continuity. Like, don't get me wrong. Do I think that this team could end up being special? Absolutely. And a lot of it is, you know, surrounded because of this defense. And I think the defense can still continue to improve and get a little bit better. But they're so good right now that I told you, Chad, the other day, I don't think there's a game that we're not going to be – we'll be in every single game this year just because of the defense, no matter how bad the offense plays. And that's why I'm saying like 2002-esque. Like I feel like it's silver bullet mode, but yeah. like you know we're going to be scoring 17 points to try to win the game kind of deal. That's how it feels right now. I know it's, it's probably going to get better as the season goes along. I'm just saying like that that's the feeling I got. I'm going I'm to make a bold statement here, and it, it, I know it's some projection, but I don't anticipate we score less than 20 the rest of the year. I think the offense starts improving on things. I don't think we get as shut out against Penn State and against Michigan like we did with uh, uh, Notre Dame, just because you know he Kyle McCord's going to get more experience. I mean, the wide receivers honestly need to play a little bit better. 
I think they've been struggling to get open a lot, which is making it even harder on Kyle McCord. Um, you know, but I'm expecting some improvement. So really, if this defense can continue to bear down, then even against Penn State and Michigan, you know, the two that we kind of circle for the rest of the year, uh, I feel like the defense is going to keep us in all of them. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to ask you who your uh, players of the game were on each side of the ball. And maybe let's go with uh, maybe the best play of the game or the most critical play of the game, because I think that's awesome because it could be three or four. But before we do that, we should pause. OK, and tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Additional Flavors. OK, um, it's our new sponsor. Guy we went to high school with. Great guy. Started a company um, and they sell spices for anything you could possibly imagine. It's www.additionalflavors.com. They got everything. And like we talked about last episode, we got a care package sent in the mail to us. Um, it was great. I tried it on some chicken and I can't I'm looking forward to uh, getting more stuff and trying it out so I can tell you guys how it went. Also, if you're coming to our live show, um, which we're not sure what, you know, what time that's going to be, but it's going to be for the uh, Purdue game. And if you're coming to our live show, we are probably going to have some stuff from him to be giving away. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that. But anyways, if you get a second, you listen to this podcast um, and you'd love to support us, support uh, www.additionalflavors.com. Yeah, and actually, uh, I cook steaks tonight and we did the bourbon rub um on the steaks and man How it was it? really it was good uh it actually has like a sweeter flavor for a bourbon flavor which i actually kind of liked it was definitely different but really good so i would definitely highly suggest the bourbon flavor if you like that awesome okay All right, man. so player of the game player um, of the game let's go first defense first let's go defense it's got to be Lathan Ransom, man. I mean he was everywhere in the field um key fourth down stop with Sonny Styles um I mean, he only allowed, what, you know, two receptions on him for maybe like 40 yards or something like that. Like, he just – Lathan Lathan has played amazing this year. And he was Lathan can, some wood. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. That's a so, good joke for everybody out there. Go on. First of all, that's done. That was a really good joke. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but I'm going with Lathan Ransom. Okay. I – have to go Lathan Ransom, especially, dude, I have to eat my crow. I chewed him out last week. I was kind of pissed off at him about some of the tackles he missed. Um, And he came back and just crammed it right at my rear end this week. So I'm going to go Lathan Ransom all day. All right. Uh, Give me your offensive player of the game. Uh, To be totally honest with you, I don't know how you can't go Kyle McCord. Um, He did make mistakes. Yes, he did. Um, to, Well, to be honest with you, I'm about 60-40 on this. Okay, so I'm going to tell you that. It's got to be Kyle McCord because what he did will probably go down in history and we'll remember it for the next 50 years. Um, but at the same point in time, I think you got to give Ibuka his props, dude. So many clutch catches in this game, especially that last one, man. Holy cow. Um, the last one that got us the first down. When First of all, none of us thought that we could get a first down because we didn't know there was enough yardage left. But we did get a first down. You know, end up, uh, you know, winning the game, setting up the game winning play. So I got to give that to Ibuka, man. Yeah. I mean, I think there's three realistic players you could choose from. I think that's Kamakord, Ibuka, and Trey. Um, and for me personally, um, you cannot discount the guts that it took in that last drive. I mean, I my, my gut wanted me to go with Trey because that big 60 yard, 61 yard run kind of, you know, springboarded us a little bit but you know once we went up by 10 nothing then we give up 14 points and we kind of you know we're back in the hole so 
even though Trey was an important part of the game, ran for over 100 yards. You know, I I think it's between Abuka and McCord. But man, I don't care how good you are at getting open. If the guy can't get you the ball, it doesn't matter. And in key moments when he absolutely had to make the pass, Kyle McCord did it. I mean, third and 10, fourth and seven, third and 19, all key parts of that drive to keep it alive. Kyle McCord was able to do it, and those were some of his best throws of the night. So you know what? I will give it to Kyle McCord for that last drive. I think you have to, man, in a game like that. Um, although I will say that it was it was a team effort to get down to that point, but definitely uh, the man you know running the engine on the train is definitely Kyle McCord. Yeah, for sure. Um, so okay, so how about this? What do you think was the most important play of the game? Man, that's tricky. Um, because it is, and that's why I asked it because there's about four answers I could really see. Yeah, and I think all of them come within the last couple minutes of the game. Really, um, I think once Notre Dame got the ball back after we missed go uh, missed converting on the fourth and one, there were some important defensive plays that helped to get Notre Dame back off the field quick. Um, there's a big JT uh, pass breakup. Uh, there was a sack. I know they don't call it, they didn't call it a sack, but I swear it was a sack. Um, or maybe they were getting ready to hand it off and didn't. They counted as a tackle for loss there are a couple key defensive plays there but really i'm gonna pick something in that last drive and i think of all the plays that really stood out for me it's got to be the third and 19 pass because at that point you're looking third and 19 um from what 22 23 yard line and you know with 15 seconds left just had the 10 you know just avoided the 10 second runoff used last time out you know i'm i'm thinking we're cooked at that point and yeah. that right there was probably the best pass of the day. So it's got to be that third and 19 to the one-yard line, uh, McCord to Abuka. Dude, I think I got to agree. I got to agree, man. Um, like we said, we we thought this has to be end zone or bust as we're watching it you know, live. And I, there's so many things running through your head, and you're not sure 100% of you know, yardages. But I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is third and goal. We even said to each other, next two balls got to be in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like the thought of a the thought of a first down never even crossed our minds. I don't think at that point. No, I mean he had two yards to get a two or three yards to get a first down without scoring, and that was it. So I mean I chalked that up as there's no way they're going to get it to the one yard line, but sure enough he did. Yeah, I gotta I definitely got to give him that. You know I as a matter of fact like when he caught the ball it took me a second to realize that we were still alive. I know. Like he caught the ball and I went oh god we're short and then I was like oh we're short. Yeah, That's and it's a first, a first down. down, and you hurry up, get up there and spike the ball, yeah. I thought, and, oh, d- my And, dude, God. I'll tell you what, man. Like, just think about it. Kyle McCord, only his fourth ever start and really second as a true starter on the road at Notre Dame to a much better Notre Dame team, does a drive like that. Like, let's seriously give him the, his kudos for stepping up on that drive because I would have been peeing down my leg for sure <laughs> well, to be if honest, I was in that he position. he was. Because I, what I feel like it was going through he his kinda head did, was, He kind of did, kind of didn't. Exactly. He peed down his legs for like a couple plays, and then he completed a, a pivotal one. But like where there really wasn't much going on in first and second down, it was third and fourth down where he was making plays. You know what I mean? Like, right. That, that, you know, that's kind of how I felt. Like it took him each time the moment kind of caught up to him for a minute, but then he harnessed it. You know what I mean? And then moved on. Yeah. But, you know, for a while there, I didn't think he was going to. So, you know. Man, thank God for that. 
And um, yeah, man, I just said, like, I still think he has a lot to work on, dude. He has a lot to work on as a young quarterback. Um, I think what he did was great, phenomenal. I'll always remember it. But, you know, I'm not just ready to say that, you know, he's the second coming of Jesus Christ today. You know, Um, he still has a lot to learn, a lot to a lot to go. But I am sure that he took a step in the correct direction. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I think that this game was really important. And, I, you know, we may look back and the fact that we pulled this game out, and I'm not even talking about the way, you know, if we win a national title this year, if we win the Big Ten this year or anything like that. I'm just talking about the projection of Kyle McCord's career probably really teetered a lot on the result of this. Because let's say in that last drive he does throw that pick where he doesn't complete that and we lose this game. Do you know how many people are going to start already calling for Devin Brown and how much more doubt, especially one other screw up and, you know, Kyle McCord is going to be like basically lost forever. And now because of what he did in that one drive, not only has he gotten a lot more credibility because of how he hung in there, but his projection now is almost solidified for the season just because of how he pulled that out. So that's it was just such an important drive just for his own career and perception. I mean, I understand it's not like all of a sudden people are ooh and ah, like you said. I agree. I mean, he's he definitely did not play well for a good portion of that game, too. But we saw enough there to know that if he can clean this stuff up and be more consistent, he could be a very good quarterback for Ohio State. Well, one thing we know about Buckeye Nation is that no matter what happens, I'm going to say we because I'm I'm included in it, tend to overreact one way or the other. It doesn't matter. We either overreact because it wasn't that bad, but we think it's terrible, or we overreact because it was good, but we think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, that that is a common – if you just read the message boards anywhere, um, you know, after the game, it's like, you know, anybody who ever said anything about Kyle McCord needs to be shot in a public square. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of the – the mantra when I'm like, OK, but these were the same fans last week wanting his head. I don't know if he's a guy. I don't know if he's a guy. Now, this week, all of a sudden, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, you know, dude, you know, serve crow, but eat it, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think at least I've left off to where. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to do enough in the next handful of weeks to make me think that he is the best thing. But I also think that. He's not going to do horrible enough stuff to make me say that he's the worst quarterback that we've ever had. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to really hold my, you know, and reserve my overall judgment for the entirety of the season to unfold before I'm going to really have a better idea of who he is. Um, I don't think that he has a super high ceiling from what I've seen. But I feel like he could be consistent enough and reliable enough that he can still be a championship-style quarterback just because of all the pieces that we have on offense. Dude, so, he makes me feel like, a, like honestly, a little bit better of a passer, but the same type of – and I guess I don't mean by the same style of quarterback, but like the grittiness. He makes me feel like like Craig Krenzel. Yeah. Like I mean, he, that just guts it out. I think he, I think he's, I think I think he's a better passer for sure. Um, I think decision making he needs to get there. Uh, game manager he needs to get there. But you know what? It was nice to see the fight in him. Did you see how he reacted at the end of the game? You know, running over, yelling at the crowd, throwing his arms up. Like, you know, I think we're starting to see some fight in him that he might be just growing up before our eyes. And we may look back, like I said, in this moment and realize how important that moment really was. Before. Uh, we get into uh, 
the last piece of this episode, let's get into um, speaking of uh, the fire. Uh, let's talk about Ryan Day and his comments after the game. Um, well, I don't want to have a big, long discussion because I know me and you are going to argue about this. But I will just simply say this is that I, me personally, Ben Davis, I appreciated it. Um, I like to see the fire in him. I like that he got fired up. Did he get caught in the emotion of the very end of the game? Sure. Maybe if, you know, they had talked to him several minutes down the road, he might have been a little more calm about it. Um, I know everyone acts like he called Lou Holtz out. I mean, yes, he did say him by name, but I had a, a more of a suspicion that this was just, you know, hearing this thing from all different angles or this being the narrative that's been with Ohio State for a while because that's been – even though false and easy target where they say, oh, Ohio State's just soft. Ohio State's just soft. And he's tired of hearing it. So I feel like it all just kind of boiled up to that moment. And for me personally, I enjoyed seeing Ryan Day like that. I did too. I enjoyed it because he hasn't seen the fire, and I like that. We've talked about this a hundred times before. You know, I would be the coach in the locker room kicking the freaking water cooler over and chopping the table in half. That's who I am. I'm super intense. I'm super emotional. That's who I would be. The other flip side of the coin of this I'm not saying that I agree with this. I'm just saying the other side of it. And I think about this side because when I think about uh, my career and and how, you know, the things that I say affect my job and further on, on the other side of the coin, I feel like it was great for the internal part of the program. Great for Ohio State, great for Buckeye Nation. On the national landscape, I can see how it would be perceived as kind of, to be honest, kind of immature and kind of a little bit like act like you've been there before, bud. Don't let everything that somebody says, some 80-year-old man on, on television, affect you or affect your your team. Like if it was for me, if I was a coach of Ohio State, first of all, social media wouldn't be a thing because I'd be like, you guys don't get Twitter during the freaking – during the football season. Tough. Deal with it. Well, say um, goodbye to half your team because well, half your team wouldn't want to play for you without that's social fine. media. Well, then they don't days. have to. But my team wouldn't be – like I said, I don't want to be motivated by outside things like that, especially not what Lou Holtz is saying. Like to be honest with you, dude, f- Lou Holtz. <laughs> I'm just being honest. No, no. Listen, it, I, I really do believe it doesn't really have anything to do with what Lou Holtz said because of Lou Holtz. I think it's just that same tired narrative that like if you remember what he said too, he said besides one half of football in the last handful of years, nothing could be further from the truth. And he's referring to the second half of the Michigan game. So realistically, other than that, I mean we were not a soft team. Did we make mistakes? Were, were we not executing? Did we have a poor defense? Yes. But it wasn't really a toughness, a soft issue. That's this whole big narrative that Jim Harbaugh started. Now, he may have the right to talk over the last few years, but the narrative is false. I mean, go back and watch these games. I mean, we're not a soft team, but we've just been you know, weak in areas. We've made coaching mistakes. We, maybe they haven't been coached up properly. But the effort, I don't feel like, has been a humongous ordeal that – that's that's why I think Ryan Day was just tired of that narrative, and that's what kind of blurted out of him in that moment. Well, you know, I, I get I get what everybody's saying, but I just I guess I didn't know it was a narrative. And if it was a narrative by anybody, it was a, a narrative of our own. Hey, but you know what? Even if that's the case, how is that any different than what Kirby Smart was doing last year, where he apparently convinced his team they were going to go six and seven? And all of these players are be like, oh, y'all doubted us after they want, you know, demolished TCU in the national title. That's what you get. You all thought we were going to go six and seven. I'm like, uh, Bob, no one thought that was going to happen to you. So 
maybe this is Ryan Day's way of also helping to fire this team up. Because if he really gets Ohio State to believe that people are thinking that they're soft and doubting them, that maybe it's his Kirby smart way of firing this team up. I mean, I think it has to be. Ryan Day has been the most calculated and vanilla coach as far as media goes in his tenure here at Ohio State. Him and Jim Tressel hold a close one and two. Like, neither one of them shows any emotion. They never give you any information. They never really answer any questions. They've always been like that. And Ryan Day has continued to do that. So for him to, like, come out of pocket this way was very abnormal to me. So it almost feels like somewhat it is. It is a tactic. Like, okay, we we jumped this hurdle. I'm going to fire our team up. Let them know, you know, the father-type figure. I'm playing the father-type figure here. I believe in these guys. I love these guys. Let's march forward. Now I'm going to get the best out of them. You know what I mean? And and maybe that that is his plan. You know what I mean? I just see the other side of the coin on this, too. There's there's a national side of this, not just a local side, and that's the side that, you know, I see as well. Yeah, I actually I agree with everything there. So anyways, Davis, why don't you tell these fine people listening to this podcast about this live event we have coming up? All right, so we're still awaiting details because we need to get confirmation for game time. Uh, they did just release that the Maryland game is going to be a noon game. We're really hoping the Purdue game is a noon game because it's a nooner. It would make it would make it easier for the live episode, but it, the live episode, I mean, if we have to go to three thirty, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to schedule that and make that work. But um, once we have more details on time, uh, we'll give you more specific details. But again. Uh, this is on October 14th. It is for Ohio State at Purdue. We will be doing a live podcast episode at Turtle Creek Tavern in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I don't have the address right in front of me. I had it written down at one point or else I'd read it back off. But um, either way, um, we'll, we'll get you more of those details when we get closer to time. But um, I do know they have drink specials there. They, the, I think their big sponsor is Corona, so they might be doing some giveaways with some Corona stuff. Um, obviously you'll get a chance to meet us. We'll have some stickers, some cool things to hand out. Uh, and plus it'll just be a fun time to get, you know, get a chance to listen to us live, watch the game with us. Cause we're going to stick around, watch the game, uh, after the episode. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'd just really love to see you guys. I know, uh, some of you have been listening to us from the very beginning, which we really appreciate. So we hope you guys turn out in full force, but man, it's just going to be a good time. We're looking forward to it. And if it goes really well, like we hope it will, it's something that we can kind of build into our schedules moving forward and try to make it, you know, bigger and better moving forward. Absolutely, man. Uh, thanks to everybody. By the way, like I said, our numbers are really pushing up. We're pretty excited about it. A lot of new things on the horizon. Don't forget to check out our website, www.dtipodcast.com, um, where you can see all the prop bets, which I can't wait to talk about, and uh, everything like that. So, uh, yeah, man. All right. You can always find all our episodes on all major streaming services uh, and also on our website. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page and our Twitter page. That's where we also post a lot of our uh, messages and let you know when new episodes are ready and things like that. So go on over there and check us out. And, uh, yeah, we're on a bye week, so not really sure what our next scheduled um, episode will be because typically, you know, we would do a pregame uh, here later in the week. Uh, we might have something more interesting to bring up. Or we may hold off till next week. Not entirely sure, but just stay put, uh, you know, stay caught up on our social media, and that's kind of what we'll let you know what's going to happen. But um, until next time, guys, go Bucks. Oh, H.